Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm delighted to say my guest is Lawrence McCahill. He is the co-founder of the Happy Startup School, uh, which, uh, as the name suggests, uh, is 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 renowned for producing many startups. I first got to know you through a previous guest, uh, Jack Hubbard, um, who, who I know is a mutual connection. So, Lawrence, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be under your, uh, I don't know, under your spell for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yes, the, the Happy Startup School, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about its purpose and what it's about. Um, so really the Happy Startup School is like, exists to inspire to um, empower and to connect purpose-driven entrepreneurs um, of all stages, really. Um, so we started out in 2012, what was a side project then, um, really to help startups, but more and more we're working with, you know, more experienced entrepreneurs, some of whom have come on their journey with us, but also lots of people who are looking to think of business in a different way and, yeah, not necessarily in the startup phase, but looking to get some of that I guess some of that energy that comes from new ideas, innovation, creativity. So, yeah, so we're really a, a school, an alternative business school, but more and more a community of entrepreneurs who think a bit differently about business and are looking to connect with others that are doing the same. So that comes in the form of programs. We run events and we also have an online community and courses that give people, a, I guess, a gateway to this new way of thinking and also the rich connections you can make from um, from being part of this because I think it's quite a lonely journey being an entrepreneur. I'm sure you, you might have come across that yourself. And so if you can surround yourselves with other people who, are, who think the way that you do but also share the same values, and I think that's key to doing work differently is really connecting with people who are going through similar battles. Right, yeah. So a community as much as anything else, right, as much as it being a... Yeah, an accidental community, really. Um, there was someone actually who we worked with for quite a long time who uh, wrote us a nice quote the other day, which was, yeah, it's, the work we're doing is as much the circle of people around us as it much as the program and the courses that we offer. Um, and it's just the, I guess, it, it almost self-selects to some great people who just seem to attract themselves to the ethos of what we're about, which is um, really not putting money at the heart of our our businesses really, which is quite kind of counterintuitive, but um, yeah, money's important, but it's not the sole goal. And I think that's a nice filter for the kinds of people we meet and the people that come to our events that uh, they're not there to sell to each other or to um, gain from each other. It's really about um, learning from each other. It's about sharing and being open and honest and collaborating. And that leads to some great outcomes for everyone. So, um, so yeah, so that's, I guess, an accidental byproduct of the work we're doing is the community that's been formed and for us it's been a great opportunity but also something else to grapple with in, on this journey right right when you say grapple with what 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 does grappling with your community look like <laughs> sounds a bit wrong doesn't it um i guess it's just partly responsibility because we feel um that we want to support everyone who comes our way whether or not they can pay pay to come to one of our events but whether it's someone just following on us on our list or needing a bit of a guidance. So partly that just the, um, I guess the role that that involves in terms of community management, which we've learned to, um, to sort of learn that role ourselves, really. It's, the communities don't happen. They can happen organically, but in terms of nurturing it and growing them, um, from our experience, that's the role that you need to step into. And so 
we've been learning how to manage that both from um, I guess the leadership side of things but also from the business side of things how can that work how can we look to make that work as a business whilst also giving people the time they need to to get the support they need to move things forward so so yeah I say grapple because it's it's not an easy ride you know we're part of a group called community builders on on Facebook which is a growing network of other community builders um of all sides all kinds of big communities and you know everyone's battling with the same things really which is um yeah lots of different struggles around money struggles around um lack of time you know we want to support more people than we have time for so you know ways to reach people on a bigger scale um and a bit like running a business really just being with other people who are going through similar challenges and running similar kinds of businesses and that again is becomes more important when it's quite a niche like the one that we're offering right and i, I suppose the, the the when i think of startups and, and creating a company what what often comes to mind is this idea of of needing to get capital and that being really important in fact i read a story this week about a startup from cambridge working on quantum computing and they'd moved san francisco to san francisco specifically because they didn't feel they could raise capital in the in the uk and you're saying it's not about money first and foremost what what is there a kind of capital raising role to what you're doing is that an important element of the of the community um i would say it's not an area that we sort of focus on or specialize in we really um balance this desire to create a business or to build a bit grow a business or scale or sometimes even close a business because we work with lots of entrepreneurs who've who've you know, got to the end of their journey and maybe want to start a new one. Um, it's really this balance of sort of personal need and desires and motivations and the business side of things. And so a lot of the time people come to us or come to our events not looking to get VC money or secure funding. It's really about making sure what they're doing aligns with who they are and what they want to create in the world. And so t- often it's the bigger questions, um, whilst money is an important one, often it's like, why, why am I doing this? Um, am I the right person to be doing this? Who else do I need to be on this journey with me to support me as I, as I do this? Um, and from our experience, when you're clear about those things, the money tends to come more easily than um, when you don't. And so often they're big sort of existential questions that people find it difficult to answer. But I guess that's where the magic is, is if people are clear about those things, then, you know, for example, having a clearer pitch for the, for the work you're doing, your big why is much clearer. Um, Maybe you're clear about the products you're creating and the value you can create for society and your customers. So um, I think money is an easy route for people or an easy almost excuse for people to not do certain things. Um, so from our experience, and this is before even the Happy Startup School days, myself and Carlos, um, who started the school, we used to run a, a startup studio. So we were a digital agency that kind of evolved into working with entrepreneurs at the very early stage, building the digital products. So we'd be building apps and platforms for these often first-time entrepreneurs. And um, so many of them wanted to build a kind of prototype that we would help them build, but then they were kind of going cap in hand to investors and, and um, uh, VCs and all sorts of people to get funding. But often there was so much they could do without the money. It was just a good excuse often to you know, delay things. And if people might be scared about launching something or um, whatever it might be, we found there's always something you can do without money. There's always a next step. Um, and yes, money can help. And if it's, you know, a particularly capital intensive business, then you can't avoid that. But we found there's so much you can do um, earlier on 
both on the personal side, but even just on the culture and, and the brand building side, which we found that can really help you to get people to notice you and get people to you know, be aware of what you're doing first and foremost before even starting to think about raise money. Right. And I, I've read your book, which you can get uh, from, from the Happy Startups uh, website. And in there, you've got a canvas. And is that what, what you use as the main structure for asking these questions? Is that right? It's a good starting point. Yeah. So the book is, um, uh, it's our ebook on our website, How to Build a Startup That Matters. And it really focuses around um, our canvas, which is a kind of uh, triangle and it's based, you know, loosely on, that on the screen now. Yeah, for let's people do that. Who are watching the video. So I'm just going to share this now for people watching and perhaps you can talk through it. And this, this sort of has evolved really from when we were in um, our agency days, we used the lean canvas and the business model canvas, which um, listeners or viewers might be familiar with. And this really evolved from us doing loads of workshops with um, first-time early-stage entrepreneurs. And really, we found that lots of the other tools out there really were useful from the business point of view and product point of view, but didn't really tap into the, like I said, the kind of human side of things, the motivation behind it, um, which I know is obviously a big focus of this podcast. So the top part of the canvas is really more focused on that side of things, the human element, your why, the values driving it, and the story behind what you're doing. These are all the, the kind of building blocks for like I said, people to care, people to notice you, which we found is the hardest thing at the beginning. Often people think that, you know, a good idea and a good product is going to get people to notice them. But actually, we found that it's the stories and the um, the language you use that really helps people to understand that. And then the lower half of the canvas is much more focused on the nitty gritty about the, the business and the business model. So what problems are you solving? Who are you solving them for? And what solutions are you proposing that will help to make their life better? And these are all things that you can play around with, but we found the top part of the canvas is more your why, and that shouldn't really change too much. It might take a bit more work to get there in terms of really clarifying that and working with your co-founders if you have them or a team if you have them, but really getting clear on that sort of North Star and so that the, um, the lower half of the canvas allows you to experiment within that. So what we found when we started Happy Startup School was we were super clear about our why, why we were doing this, what were the values at the heart of what we were doing, um, uh, and actually the story we were telling, which was like, we were going to close our company, the agency to, to pursue our dream, which was kind of what we taught, you know, we're teaching other people how to do. Um, so it got to the point where we wanted to do that ourselves. So, um, but the business has evolved. So we started off doing workshops and then that evolved into growing a London community. Um, our first summer camp in 2013. And then since then, lots of events around the world and an online community, which we'd never have imagined when we started, but um, kind of experimenting with lots of different ways of delivering on that purpose has allowed us to, you know, um, not get too down if things don't work, but not get too excited if they go well and just pursue on the mission rather than just being solely driven by a, a product, which we found a lot of people just get so obsessed by at the beginning. They, they have an app idea, for example, and they want, it's all about the product. It's all about the actual tool and, and very little about maybe other ways of delivering on that purpose. So they, they lose heart if it doesn't work first time around. So yeah, we wanted to, um, kind of practice what we preach really which is yeah be stubborn on vision but flexible on how you get there right and in terms of asking these difficult questions what have you have you had have you found that you've had to evolve in any way yourself in order to enable you to to hold space for people in in these types of inquiries is there anything you've had to go through oh yeah every day i think we're we're um 
uh, actually, my, uh, my co-founder Carlos hosts his own podcast, Happy Start Podcast, and he had me on that this morning. So he was grilling me, which was kind of odd, um, as friends for like the last thirty years. But um, but no, we're we're both. I mean, the reason I say that is we we, we reflected on our recent uh, retreat we ran for entrepreneurs in the Alps called Altitude, and we um, we were just reflecting on what we've learned from that. And you know, each time we do these things, we we grow personally. We learn a lot about ourselves. We learn a lot about like you said, different ways to hold space and facilitate. Um, we learn from different people that come in terms of just the way they show up. Maybe there's some methods that they use that influences how we do things. So, yeah, absolutely. I think we've been on, um, I guess, a, a journey ourselves. And I think that happens naturally if you're working on any sort of business, particularly if it's one that's true to your heart, that you um, you have to sort of adapt and grow. Otherwise, you'll probably... I don't know, either burn out or not survive. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and that's that's part of it for us. It's one big experiment for us to see where does this take us, um, both personally and professionally. Um, I'm very lucky that Carlos has, you know, we've come with each other on this journey together, which, um, you know, is quite unusual, I think, in that respect. The business we ran before is very different to the one we run now. Um, but because of the fact we've both been following our nose has been quite curious about, the learnings that we can get from it, then I think that's what's given it the the fuel to keep going and to get this far. Mm. And is it, is it out of that experience and that growth? Is there a particular moment where you're like, ah, oh, damn, you know, I, t- I took that startup in the wrong direction or I asked the wrong question. Is there a particular kind of moment where you're like, yeah, I really learned something? <laughs> I don't know, really. I mean, we, we always try and stay clear of giving advice to people. Um, I think when we first started out, it's quite an easy thing to do when you've when you've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs or when you've run a lot of businesses yourself or worked on a lot of projects um, to feel like you know the answers to things. But actually, the more the more we know, the more we try and steer clear of giving anyone advice. So it's partly to cover our ass so we don't don't um, come to that point where like oh I told them to do this and it ended up being the wrong thing to do. Um, I think when you ask a question, I, I I think you know the way we think about it is like everyone knows deep down what they need to do they're just looking for permission often so um mm. you know for us it's just about sometimes it's not even about asking questions it's just creating the space itself so you know our events we don't um you know myself and cars aren't necessarily teaching workshops or giving people um uh, advice on things whilst we have things like our, our canvas really we create the space and, and almost people find the help they need or maybe go to the workshop they need or even create the workshop that they need um, or conversation that needs to happen. So for us, it's more about stepping back often and not trying to be the person that guides people too much, but just bringing the right people together and, and often getting out of the way where you need to and and not trying to... I, I think of it like being a parent. You just want things to play out rather than to t- try and micromanage the situation, um, which is easier than easier to say than it is to do. But, um, but yeah, often you just need things to play out. And for us, that's how our businesses evolved too is by making our own mistakes and then soon realizing that um yeah we probably had, had a better way of doing it um and we've seen this ourselves years ago we you know we used to start blogging when we were running our agency and we would um we'd be like sharing blog posts to some of our new clients and saying look you know for example i don't know here's 10 things we've seen that startups do often that ends up killing their business and they read it and they go, yeah, that wouldn't have never happened to me. And then they ignore all that advice, <laughs> make all the same mistakes and then and come back a couple of years later and say, yeah, we probably should have listened to you. Um, but I think we're all guilty of that. We're all quite stubborn. If, if you want to grow your own thing, you tend to think that you're different to everyone else. So again, it's for us, it's just giving people some guide ropes and then 
letting them find their own path within that really right and is, has that been an evolution then to sort of continue to step back it sounds like it has been but to continue to kind of step back and and provide less and less direction uh yes and no i mean i i still enjoy teaching in terms of you know there's the certain I, I guess it depends really it's probably the answer it depends on the type of struggle people are facing so if it's quite specific and there's a and there's an easy answer to it then often it can be easy to teach people a tool or a technique or some way of a, uh, solving a problem so for example if it was you know a technical problem so it could be like okay what's the best way of getting my idea out there I was like well there's you know here's five ways that you can do it you can create a landing page and we can show you how to do that you can you know create a vision board whatever it is there's practical tools you could do to make that problem go away um when it comes down to um is this the right person to go into business with um should i be doing this for the next 10 years do i need to take on this money you know all the bigger questions which don't necessarily have a simple answer then it's really about probably stepping back and giving them a um not just a space but also a wider perspective that we can offer so um particularly at the retreats we run um there'll be 20 odd people who will have different viewpoints maybe or different um, experiences based on either their industry, their role, and their life experiences and business experiences. So, for example, at this last event, we had, you know, environmental scientists, we had social entrepreneurs, we had tech entrepreneurs, we had um, uh, community builders, a whole wide range of people who, again, all have their own way of approaching something and they might ask a different question than anyone else would. Um, and if you get viewpoints from all these people, which often happens at these things, then yeah, you probably find your own path, but it's not just one person telling you to do something. It's, you know, you take the bits you need from all the different perspectives. And that for us is where the magic is really, is getting those fresh fresh eyes on what you're doing. And yeah, you make a decision yourself based on a much more rounded view of the, the problem. Mm, yeah. And you must have seen, you know, hundreds of startups come through. What, what do you, Have you starting to see patterns in terms of those that tend to make it and those that don't? in terms of the people who show uh, up staying in the game <laughs> it's a good one just yeah not giving up which sounds sounds um sounds easy not easy to do um yeah i, th- I think that would probably be the main thing really is the resilience you need to to be an entrepreneur is um i think i would say not something that everyone has but it's not something that everyone can't acquire i just think it's mm. it's in some people and not in others definitely um and i think for those that tend to and succeed and when I say succeed not in terms of um the traditional view of success more just still there five years in for example um and, and actually then finding the real value because I've, I've found you know it takes five to ten years to build a, a great company and most people don't get past year two or three so um I, I would say one thing is just yeah developing the resilience around it being really driven by the mission they're on because I think that can't be an overnight thing um, you know, seeing people, for example, there's, um, I guess one of the people who came to one of our first summer camps, Chris, um, Chris, who's the founder of Good Things Brewing, they're a sustainable brewery and they, um, uh, they, they brew amazing beer based out of one of the close to Brighton. They're going to be the world's first, uh, zero impact brewery. And they, you know, he came to our first summer camp wanting to bring more purpose to his family heating business because he was a bit sort of disillusioned with how that was going um, because he was MD of that. And then he realized after about a year that, no, this isn't, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be creating my own thing. So he, um, 
he sort of tapped into his love of beer, but also his knowledge of engineering and, and used that to be able to create this brewery. And, and yeah, five years later, he's only really just launched the brewery itself and has got his beer into loads of, loads of great establishments. But that's taken a lot of time and a lot of um, courage and a lot of resilience and a lot of money. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but yeah, a lot of that's other people have given up. As well. Heating to, to beer. Yeah. Um, but again, it's not, uh, the good thing about that is he's a bit of a geek when it comes to the brewery in terms of he was on Jamie Oliver's um, Friday night program a few months ago and they t- um, talked about how the, their brewing process and how they managed to turn all this um, uh, spent grain into flour and they can make bread with it and do all sorts with it. And so um, those stories are things that yeah inspire us because yeah, lots of other people would have given up after a couple of years, but his kind of commitment to the cause and his knowledge of the previous business, which wasn't thrown out, but actually used to make, I guess, create an unfair advantage for him in the next thing he did, then that's that's where the, the sweet spot is, I guess, is not not having a complete pivot, but more of an evolution of what you're doing, which is kind of mm. the journey we went on to. Right. And so is resiliency, is it, is it kind of keeping connected to that to that mission, that purpose, anything else? Yeah. That's, um, that... I mean, I'll say support and in the general sense of the term but probably more in terms of just surrounding yourself with great people really i think chris and other people like that have um just had a really good eye for for great people and, and letting them get on with their their thing um and i would probably say taste and that's quite a unused term i guess in business but like taste in terms of design taste in terms of recruitment you know just mm-hmm taste in terms of knowing what good looks like and you know me being a designer that's always been something that a lot of people just don't take into account or, or place enough importance on is um if you don't know what good looks like then you're not you're going to find it really hard to build a great product or service and um i, I guess there's that gut instinct of it I, I i know what will what works for me and i know what will work for the market based on 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 that judgment and so um yeah again i don't think that's something you can necessarily teach but the people i've seen who stay in the game and, and persevere and, and tend to win are the ones that can really spot talent or um, quality when they see it and therefore that just comes across in the products they build. That's, that's fascinating, actually. We, we, the previous guest talked about this idea of beautiful business and mm. that being important. If you think about the very successful companies today, many of them do have great taste and an, uh, an eye for what's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Maybe a bit of a shift in our in our sort of business landscape is that that is some, that aesthetic becoming more important, perhaps. I think we're getting more picky. I mean, it, you know, it goes back to Apple, but there's loads of examples. Um, I think people's standards for the design and experience of what they're using um, is is way higher than it used to be. And so, you know, I remember years ago when we were designing even websites or or, or platforms, you know, investing in design seemed a bit indulgent for people whereas now it's just taken as a given that it needs to meet a, a basic level of quality for it to be um for it to be accepted i think partly due to the people's behavior consumer behavior but also due to social media and the internet's creating a much more level playing field so that you know a bad experience or a bad product will get highlighted and so yeah that again creates the transparency for people to take it seriously i think so um but yeah i think those are the things of you know knowing when you know, if, if you know what good looks like, then you'll do all you can to invest in that. And I think the people that I've seen do well are the ones that understand it's worth investing in certain areas early on 
to to really cut through the noise. Um, so whether it's investing in the brand or the design or the experience or um, you know the the people behind it, like with Chris's example, you know he's got the ex Beaver Town top brewer on his on his books now, and so just really seeing okay, how can we make waves in an industry that's quite competitive um, mm. and just go, going for the best we can afford when we can afford it. Right, right. What's the biggest surprise for you in terms of a startup where you thought, oh, these guys are going nowhere? Yeah, there's no chance. <laughs> and, and they surprised you. Who's, who's surprised you the most, would you say? Um, well, obviously can't mention names. <laughs> um, who surprised me? Do you know what? I mean, it, for us, the weird thing is, although we work with lots of startups, I mean, these are just people, really. And so I, mm-hmm. I find it difficult when we think of businesses particularly because um yeah more than anything we're a collection of of individuals and we don't necessarily work with companies we work with people and those people's mm. businesses evolve um so um i mean you know and we have lots of people in our community who come to the events regularly who you know have never started a business who, who just love being around that vibe but add something different to it or and have evolve their career into a way that they're they're doing meaningful work but then they never wanted to be an entrepreneur or maybe they did but quickly realized that it's you know after hearing stories of burnout or <laughs> whatever it might be put, been put off by it um so there's nothing that comes to mind in terms of surprises i think it's more just um you don't always get to follow people's story day to day so you know when you think a business is going really well and then suddenly you hear that it's it's not around anymore um mm. or there's been a complete pivot or yeah, yeah co-founding team has split up those kind of things are always a surprise because you don't hear the day-to-day goings on you just see the, mm-hmm. the kind of instagram version of what's going on so um yeah that, that's i guess the the thing that is hard to grasp is yeah how everyone's doing because we only see them at intervals or just through the online community so um but yeah we, where possible we get people to share the highs and lows with us and not just the the good bits because i think that's where the real um, value is for people to know how to navigate through those yeah and okay so maybe there's a different question here is there a is there a an example of where you know, you've seen a team you know really get into a hole and you're like i don't see a way of them pulling out of this or turning this around and and actually they come through it have you got a story there of where someone's really pulled it out of the bag um I think off the top of my head, really. There's nothing that comes to mind. Um, uh, yeah, and there's a lot of sensitive things. The ones that come to mind are very sensitive too. So um, I suppose you know, you're in a different position. You can't necessarily share, even if you can just share this to broad brush. Um, yeah, I'd say there's nothing in particular. I mean, more than anything, it's, um, I guess what we're teaching is a lot of soft skills, really, that we, we give people so that they can, they can do this stuff themselves. So we, you know, we're not necessarily working one to one with teams going in there and like working with them. We're not like an accelerator in that way, or mm. you know, um, an incubator. Um, you know, we've got lots of thousands of people that have been part of the community that some we work more closely with. So we, you know, we coach some founders one to one, and we have the events where it'd be like anything from twenty to one hundred fifty people there. But um, but yeah, we're kind of like dipping our toes into loads of different people and their projects over time so that's why there's nothing that comes to mind off the top of my head because yeah we're not like putting through people through their paces you know on a right desk. you're not you're not holding their hands through these moments yeah 
there. It's um, like you're just you're creating this and nurturing this community and these events. Yeah, exactly. And that's I guess we probably started out thinking we'd be doing more of the former in terms of you know working with small cohorts, you know, just a traditional almost accelerator model with a bit of a twist. Um, but we realized quite quickly actually that that would never work for our community because we talk a lot about success and what that means for every individual business owner and you know if we looked at it solely that way then you know and people often say this you know what are the success stories from your from your community and um you know a lot of time the success stories aren't a traditional business success story it is someone closing down the business or deciding to live off a small holding in scotland or whatever you know like the random stories of um uh life or business changes that weren't necessarily where they wanted to go to but were the most um were the right thing for them to do at the time so i guess when we ask these big questions people often think yeah maybe this business isn't the best route for me to to do the thing i want to do um but best to know that now rather than spend the next 10 years trying to trying to pursue it so um so yeah that's why we always struggle with these some of these questions is because you know the community is a diverse mix of all sorts of individuals and, and businesses and and uh change makers and that can come with all sorts of different um outcomes for people depending on where they're at and what they need at the time yeah okay i'm really excited to get a sense now of how this is different and and actually you said it in one of the videos i watched that you you sort of you did yourself that business when you were in that early mm. the early version of what you were doing because you'd ask people these difficult questions and sometimes they wouldn't want to go ahead with the business and so actually what it seems to me like you're, it's like you're creating this space for people to explore at a deep level what they're here to do and a business might be the thing or it or as you say it might be something else so it's yeah self-fulfilling or something you're creating yeah i guess so it's i mean it is it's again it's this mix though so i think we, we've we've battled with this in the past in terms of a bit of an identity crisis like are we a business school because a lot of people that come aren't a business and i come back to the point that um it is this mix of you know happiness and entrepreneurship we're, we're looking at happiness and fulfillment and meaning through the lens of entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship yes it means generally being an entrepreneur starting a business but for us it's also a mindset and i think that's one of the things that we see as the common link between people is partly the values of what they're why they why they're fascinated by this way of thinking but also that way of thinking about new ideas and, and innovation and entrepreneurship in a way that's not just about success in traditional business terms but more in terms of you know, a mindset about how you can approach the work you do. And I think that's something that every company now is looking for is, you know, entrepreneurial thinkers. Um, more and more people are becoming freelance and working for themselves, working remotely. So, you know, in a sense, we are a nation or a world of entrepreneurs now in terms of, you know, there's no jobs for life anymore. And the way we think about a career is very different now to what it was many moons ago. Um, and most of the people we meet tend to feel like, they never felt right getting on the ladder, whatever the ladder was, it was the wrong ladder. So I've heard so many stories like that of people who did the right thing, went to school, went to university, got the job, and then maybe got to the top of the ladder or halfway up it and realized that's not the the life for me. And so, um, yeah, we hear some of these stories that we try and give people a, like you said, a bit of a, I guess an um, open book of ideas and, and options and perspectives so that they can then go, oh, what about that? Or maybe I can try that. Or maybe maybe I'll dip my toes into running a business rather than mortgaging my house and, and putting my life savings into it um, and playing with it. And that's one thing we try and uh, get people to think about is just not holding these things so heavily that it's either success or failure, but actually, yeah, you can you can experiment and have fun with it and maybe collaborate with someone before 
signing a, you know, a shareholder agreement. You know, there's there's lots of ways now of yeah, just having fun with collaboration and, and projects rather than necessarily like you talk about funding. We get so many people they they think, okay, I want to start a business, so and this is a classic thing. I'd love to come to your summer camp, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to my accountant. I'm going to set up a bank account. I'm going to try and get funding. And they, they list out all these things that they think they need to do before they start a business. Um, but they've done nothing to really, you know, think about their business idea in more detail, validate it, consider who they might do it with, whether they've got any of the skills required to be able to do it themselves, or any of the people they need to make that happen. And so it's just thinking about the things that are really important at the beginning and, and often the 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 more um, I guess admin tasks that people put in front of them tend to be good time wasters because it feels like you're doing something, but actually it's probably the, the least effective thing you could do. So if possible, try and keep accountants and lawyers and uh, VCs out of the first first month if possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the other thing that's emerging for me is, as well is that <clears throat> this difference between a traditional incubator or accelerator, not I've really ever been through one of those processes, mm. But that's in a sense its own form of ladder, right? It's not yeah. you're not an employee in a corporation, but you've got this expectations of where you're going to be at certain points, and you take on funding at this stage and this stage, and it's a it's sort of very much a sort of win lose uh, type competitive environment. And I, it does. I now I'm getting a sense that it's a very different quality of environment you're creating. I think you're right. It's that's one thing we've always stayed clear of. A lot of people swap one way of doing things for just a slightly different way. So, you know, a lot of people make the mistake of they, so say they're in a corporate role and they're not feeling it anymore and they want to get out of that. And so they think entrepreneurship is a, is the right route for them to do that. But often they just swap, you know, that environment for, for a similar one and end up with the same working patterns, the same kind of, um, you know, they've got a boss now. So instead of having a boss in the company, they've got a boss who's the the VC or they've got a boss who's the, you know, the mentor at the accelerator who's, you know, they go to to decide whether they get funding at the end of it. They still they still don't have the, the autonomy they're looking for, um, assuming that's what they wanted. So, and we, we meet lots of people who fall back into the same work habits as they did before because that's just what they know. So it doesn't necessarily it will be any happier or more fulfilling if you if you do things that way. It's really understanding what you're doing it for yourself and that's what we try and tap into is, you know, if you have a need for autonomy and that's why you want to start a business, then maybe those other ways of doing it aren't right for you because they will feel too restrictive. Um, but other, for other people, maybe it would be great because they need that certainty and they need some sort of um, stability around what they're doing. So they want to feel like they've got those much stronger guide ropes, whether it's, you know, NatWest's accelerator, which we've heard lots of people go through. Um, for lots of people we meet, they're like, okay, it's just not what I want to do. It's, it, I, I did it. I got the free desk space, whatever. Um, I learned a bit, but it was too it was too uh, prohibitive in terms of how we could do things. For other people, it's like that's exactly what they need, um, and it's really understanding what drives you and, and what you want and um, the kinds of way you want to work, really. Because um, yeah, like you said, the one thing we don't want is you know one winner and a thousand losers. Which you know, if you look at something like Y Combinator, which would be the most successful accelerator in the world, that's what they're betting at, right? They're going for the unicorn who's gonna be the next Stripe or Uber or, or Airbnb. Um, but there'll be lots of others who fall by the wayside who don't get anywhere near that. But that's okay because that's their model. Um, but we don't want a community of people where one person wins and a thousand people lose. We want you know a community where everyone wins and together we make um, as much impact as we can together as individuals or small teams rather than 
you know, one success story. So yeah, it kind of flips the model on its head a little bit from a way you would normally think about startups and, and what success looks like. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and fascinating to me. I mean, when I came into this conversation, I was thinking, okay, you know, maybe you're like, you're, you're like some of these other organizations, but you're a bit more fo- purpose focused or something, or you're mm. a bit, you're a bit more focused on the human, but it sounds to me like it is a very different paradigm that you're describing here. Yeah. And, and again, we struggle with it because it's not, it doesn't fit into a box. <laughs> you know, it's like we, um, <laughs> I think we've always say to people, just come, come to our summer camp because you'll, you'll see it in action. And it's, um, no, more than anything, it's really just a collection of all the best people we've met over the last six, seven years and, and bringing them together in one place. And, and like I said, trying to create enough structure and enough uh, guide rights for people so that they feel supported and safe and, and um, they know what, what to do and where to go. But then not, you know, like I said, not trying to force anything on anyone and people finding the support they need. And so we deliberately don't have a linear kind of uh you know process where we take people from a to b because you know people could be at b already or they could be on a you know a different part of that journey so um the closest we have to it is probably the canvas and we have an online course around that and um our purpose and profit program and because they're online courses they're a bit more linear in their process but again we found people sort of dipping in into different parts of or different modules of that depending on what they're not as strong on and so you know, you might be really clear about your vision, but, you know, your values need a bit of work. So they dive into that. But yeah, like I said, trying to assume that everyone needs to go through the same kind of idea uh, validator is is not something we're driven by really. Right. Yeah, I see. Um, so you've talked about the events, the the, the online program. And where, where do you where do you feel like you're going next with the community? Is there something is there a, a current boundary you're pushing at right now? um so one thing we're looking at so we have um we have an online community so we have a couple of hundred members who who pay to be part of that um and we have a much wider sort of community of people who just follow us um we're looking to create more of a group coaching program so that's the next thing for us is we have um have the events we have the online community but there's a lot of people in the community who need more sort of high touch support and we found lots of value from small group sessions so we host a monthly um event in brighton um and in london called ideas cafe which is a a free coffee morning and that's um based on a very simple format where we get people into small groups sharing sharing their struggles and challenges around the work they're doing um and so what we're looking to do is essentially take our learnings from that and we've done that for the last three or four years and apply that to partly some senior um founders who who are kind of further along but also some people who are looking to grow their grow their business who need more support so yeah that's kind of the next thing that's called circles um circles okay circles, yeah and that's based on uh the kinds of community of the people who get to our altitude retreats who tend to value more peer support rather than you know the kind of hand holding or spoon feeding that we would do with people who were earlier on so you know and again for the reasons as i said earlier really is the I think when you get to a certain point, you want to be surrounded by peers and you don't necessarily need to be told what to do. You're looking for people's experiences and stories um, and how they've tackled problems, whatever that might be. So again, for us, it's just holding that space and giving them um, giving them access to other people who they can just open up to and feel like they're, yeah, they can relate to on the same way. And again, thinking about business differently than most people. So, you know, there's lots of networks out there who have these kinds of groups, but, you know, again, we found the people that, 
come to us tell us that the people they meet in our network are very different and for that reason they're keen to learn more from them and to share also and feel feel useful to each other because i think that's one thing we found is yeah you can hear people talking to someone else and offering them some wisdom and then they kind of hear themselves talking going actually that's exactly the advice i need to be hearing myself <laughs> so um it's a good for a good reminder for people of how much they actually know themselves because um i think when you're sort of stuck in the midst of it you can kind of forget forget what's inside you and so yeah that's, that can be a, a useful thing right and i suppose with the online programs that that frees you up to be international because your events they're all in europe am i right um so our summer camp happens in the uk so that happens in september so that's our main focus for the moment um in terms of the events well so the alps retreat yes um, we, we found that's that right so that's in france yeah um I know Jack Hubbard was on the, uh, was on yeah. the earlier podcasts. Yeah, he's our kind of collaborator on that. Um, but we've run that twice in the US as well in Oregon. So uh, okay, is, and then we've also run a similar retreat in India for. We didn't do it this year, but we did it for the last three years. So yeah, it was taking us to some different different countries. But yeah, the format for the retreats is very uh, very very similar. But we we've just got the opportunity to run it in different places again based on people we've met on this journey really with uh yeah we'd never have planned to do any of those things but it's just kind of led us on this path so so yeah that was what amazed us when we did our first uh our first events was just people coming from all around the world and again at summer camp we have people coming from the us brazil india you know even australia someone's come from before so yeah people come from all over which is amazing um uh, kind of scary because it, you know it's a big responsibility when people jump on a plane from the side of the world but yeah, I guess it's the power of the internet, really. People out there following you and feeling yeah. connected to the work we're doing and the the message we put out there. And, and I think the nice thing about doing in-person events is even if they've not been part of it before, they can see that we're you know, active and there's a community that actually meets in the real world. And so gives them confidence and builds a lot of trust that you know they're onto a good thing and they, they feel connected to it even from the outside. So, um, so yeah, this kind of weird hybrid mix of online uh, and offline, off-grid, call it what you will. But um, yeah, I think there's more and more people who are running these kinds of organizations, really, that either they started from um, the online sort of world and then thought, okay, we want to start meeting in the real world because that's the natural next step. Or, or like us, did lots of in-person events. And then from there, that's led us to creating the online community. Right. Um, right. Again, mainly from a need from the community to stay connected, really, because um, yeah, we don't just want to do one-off events and then get really inspired, get loads of energy from it, and then go off and you know go back to our old routine. So, yeah, it's a good way to stay accountable to each other and to to keep supporting each other through the thick and thin. Mm. Okay. Final question, Lawrence, which I like to ask a lot of my guests. Um, the title of the show is being human. Uh, for you, what what does it mean to be human? Oh, actually, I wrote a blog post the other. Uh, I think it went live yesterday, which has given me a, a, a quick, pithy answer to that. Um, being human to me is about being vulnerable, and that—that's uh, kind of what I highlighted on the post. It was a reflection on altitude, the retreat we ran, um, and it's something that again was a good reminder of why what we're doing, I think, has the impact it does. And um, yeah, I, I think seeing founders and entrepreneurs really open up and share their biggest challenges um for us is the way to really connect with with peers and with other people and that's i think what's built our community really is not just people who come to our events being vulnerable and opening up but us too in terms of the way we 
try and communicate and the way we share what we do and how we do it is just being really transparent about the things that are going well and the things that aren't. Um, and I think that's what has got people following us on this journey with us, really. So, yeah, I guess, the, yeah, it's a quite a short response. But, yeah, the being human for me is, well, put it this way, for people that don't show any vulnerability to me don't feel human. So, okay. uh, yeah, they feel too much like they've got their guard up and um, there's something not right. You can't put your finger on it. So I think, yeah, showing your cracks and actually not taking yourself too seriously, I think that goes hand in hand with vulnerability really is if you can, yeah, accept that, yes, the work you're doing is really important, but at the same time try and hold it lightly too and, and have some fun with it. Um, and that's one thing we try and inject in all the things we do is really trying to make it as fun as possible. So you might be laughing one minute and crying the next, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, that's vulnerability, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. So we'll put some links. So the Happy Startups URL, what's the, what's the website for people to go to? Uh, if you go to the happystartupschool.com, that's the uh, website which will point you to all the stuff we do. Um, and our summer camp is, there's a link on there, but it's a separate URL. It's just happystartupsummer.camp. And yeah, our next event takes place this September. So yeah, love to see some of your some of your listeners there. Maybe some of them are already coming. Brilliant, yes. Uh, and we'll also put a link to the canvas for those who are interested in that, which we, we shared at the, at the start of the show. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much once again. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's been great. All right. Thanks, Lawrence. Take care. Bye-bye. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.